podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome ladies and gents to a Celtic State of Mind, it is Wednesday, it is 12.30, you know what that means, it is the lunchtime bulletin. I'm your host today Colin Watt and I'm delighted to be joined by my co-host Amy Canavan. Amy, how you been? I'm alright Colin, how you doing? Uh, not too bad for a Wednesday, uh, as we've said before, this is a uh, hump day, this is where the slide to the weekend begins. Um, and t- we'll discuss some of the, the major talking points around Celtic over the last 24 hours. We are live on Facebook, on YouTube and on Twitter. We're now sitting at 10.9k subscribers on YouTube. Um, so we're edging ever closer to the 11,000. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe. Pass it on to your friends, your family, even the people you're not overly fond of. Get them to get involved and subscribe here at A State of Mind. Um, it's not just Celtic content, there's content from all walks of life. Amy, you have your own show looking at some football. Um, who have you had on this weekend? Who was on this Sunday? So on Sunday there, it was yeah. Jerry Farrell. Yeah, it was Jerry Farrell. Um, and that was, I love that interview. Um, I don't watch it back. But um, <laughs> at the time, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, and his stories are terrific and he's just a really, really honest guy and I think that really came across. And then this week going out, it's like a... It's like a women in football sort of power week and it's uh, Tina Wolf and Sophie Howard as well. So it's like a little half and half and it'll be, um, yeah, I'm looking forward. I might watch that one because I've not seen it all. So um, <laughs> <laughs> tune in for the bit that I've not been part of. <laughs> it's not just Amy's show. We've got Scream Celica on a Tuesday night. There's the boys on the Play On podcast. There's a state of music. There's books. There's politics. Anything that takes your fancy, you'll probably find it here at A State of Mind. And right now we're going to be discussing Celtic over the next hour or so delighted to have you all joining us um, to do so Uh, before we get started um, we're going to talk about one of our main talking points which is Celtic's restructuring process 
um, and the kind of impatience, I think, behind the Celtic support uh, to get things kind of rolling. We've seen the news that Dominic Mackay will be joining us on the 19th of April to start his transition into the chief executive role. Um, there's obviously a lot being discussed in the media about who else will join him. We'll talk about that. But before we get started, I do want to just kind of touch on Chris Sutton's interview uh, yesterday for BBC Breakfast. Um, it was a, a really touching interview. If anyone hasn't seen it, please do make sure you go and check it out after this. Um, he discusses um, how basically he lost his father to dementia and they believed that it was because of the amount of heading that was involved uh, back in the game then. Hearing the story of what he went through and how he gradually lost his father um, it, it would bring a tear to even the, the most sternest of faces and um, I can't imagine what that must be like to go through. Amy, I don't know if you've managed to see it but it was just it was really, really sad and I think the whole football world has managed to get put differences aside and come behind Chris Sutton at the minute, haven't they? Yeah, it is. It's, um, it's gut-wrenching and it is, it's heartbreaking and you see his emotion and I think anyone, if you follow Chris Sutton on Twitter, um, before his dad did sadly pass it, he was forever full in his, um, his timeline with him. So it was it was a really close relationship and it's it's something that's still far too apparent. I was lucky enough, I interviewed um, Amanda Coppel around this time last year just before coronavirus um, I was going to do a project at uni all about dementia and football I think it was at that time Scottish Avia mm-hmm. were looking at bringing in um, no heading for under sevens or something like that um, the project never got completed obviously but I interviewed her and her husband Frank Coppola played for um, Manchester United and Dundee United mm-hmm. legend and he passed away um through dementia and it was through vascular dementia actually and it was all through heading the ball through all those years um, so Frank's Law does great great work um, with the whole heading dementia connection so um, I, I urge anyone to check that out and Amanda is um, similar to Chris Sutton she's I think Frank's maybe been dead for seven years now so she's just so open about it so honest um, and is it something that needs to be talked about <laughs> how we improve it going forward is obviously an issue that I think the FA and the Scottish FA they have recognised now that something does need to be done but it's making sure that the right steps are made if it be you know under sevens or just practices or obviously as you touched upon it there the balls nowadays thank God are so much lighter um, but at the end it's a, it is, it's a really really tough one because heading is such a crucial part of the game but it's not the balls that they used to use back then Chris Sutton's dad's days and Frank Coppel's days so I don't know what's going to be done going forward, but um, the more these stories become apparent and we're all sort of aware of it and the effects, then it can only be for the good. Yeah, and just to touch on a point you mentioned, you mentioned about the balls being lighter now. The, the weight of the football hasn't actually changed. It's it's more to do with the, the aerodynamics of the material that's used. Um, the old balls used to gather all the water, so it would naturally make them heavier. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's extremely brave of Chris to come out and do that. Um, and if the changes that he brings in, um, if he can manage to get them and saves lives going forward, then it's it's a massive, massive improvement. And as much as there's there's nothing better than seeing a, a good old-fashioned centre-half heading the ball and winning the ball in the air, um, you, you've got to take it away from the, the aspect of training and kids growing up as well. They're still developing, um, so you never there's want to see... There's not really the need for it, is there? Um, no. You're under sevens, even under nines. 
I was in Stalingrad 11 so I couldn't really head the ball I used to get me to one because I couldn't head the ball I think it's a girl thing I was just feared um, and of course it's so it's so correct now that you, you get taught properly where to head the ball and what part of your head but there really there isn't really a need for it at that age of course you can still maybe develop it and you, you have to be taught it because it is such a crucial part of the game still as you're saying centre half they need to be able to head but do they, is it so vital in a game of fives a game of sevens that a uh, a 10 year old can head a ball I don't think it is personally No I agree with you and I hope that the changes that Chris has been looking to bring in do go ahead and we don't lose any more of our, our heroes to what is an absolutely horrible disease especially one like dementia which at the minute has no cure um, so everyone at a Celtic state of mind is behind Chris Sutton and his fight um, and we hope that it goes as far as changing the game for the better and that's all we absolutely. can really say so we're taking a look at the restructuring at Celtic Park that's going on at the minute and do you know Amy there's one of these things it's like the press you look forward to seeing the next day's headlines just to see what's happened I think everyone is at the stage now where they're just getting a bit impatient they just want the news to be confirmed Um, I think barring a miracle now I think it will be confirmed that Eddie Howe will be the next Celtic manager Um, I think it's really a case of dotting the I's and crossing the T's at the minute. Um, and some of these dotting the I's and crossing the T's seems to be the restructure of the club behind the scenes. Um, we're taking a look at things like a director of football, technical directors, some of his backroom team, his scouts, um, even maybe as simple as his player liaison officers. And that's something I want to talk about in a minute. Um, but... I mean, I guess you're like me, it's just a case of you wake up in the morning and you hope that that first tweet that comes out from Celtic is not just a, a happy birthday to someone, it's a Eddie Howe is the next manager. I don't know when that's going to come. I'm sick of having notifications on my phone and like you say, getting hit by a birthday tweet or on this day or the other day when it was Dominic Mackay, it was, to be fair, I was, I was more than chuffed actually with Dominic Mackay being announced um, a little bit earlier. But it is, it's, um, it is impatience. How many weeks now have we been without Lennon? Is it? I don't know, I five, six, six weeks or so, six, six weeks, weeks, something yeah. like that. It's a long time. So impatience is going to be building in. Um, and it is one of those ones that you can go, yeah, you just maybe want to cross the I's and dot the T's. Cross the T's and dot the I's. Um, <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Um, and of course, you, you want everything to be absolutely perfect. But the longer it drags on, you know, there's obviously rumours will start to come around if it be Crystal Palace again. They just sort of can get, keep getting brought into this conversation. But there's always going to be something. And we said that I don't even know when Lennon was still on a job, that if we didn't get something moving fast, these guys were going to get swiped up somewhere else so no matter how much if one leg's in the door or whatever it may be with how there is impatience growing and I don't really think you can you can't blame any Celtic support because it is, it's just that urgency that my god we've seen so many things if buts and maybe should have been we've had um, so many people in the building and then not sign Ivan Tony for example so we are just wanting it done of course we are yeah, and just the, the point that you mentioned I'm going to bring this up for two reasons um, so this is the Endless Celts podcast now the first reason I'll bring that up is it's about the Dominic Mackay announcement now a lot of people have said this is almost like a domino effect it was like it had to be Mackay, then Howe, then his backroom team, and it kind of continued on throughout the club. Um, but the other reason I want to bring this up was I was actually on the Endless Celts podcast on Friday night, representing a Celtic state of mind. Um, so do check that out after the show. Uh, but without giving away too many spoilers, there's a wee quiz between the, the Endless Celts and the Axom team. Um, and I, put, I brought home the points for 
a Celtic state of mind on Friday night. It went to penalties, uh, but David Marshall provided the goods and Axel are back on the board. Um, but yeah, looking at it, Mackay's kind of appointment seemed to be the first step in this complete restructuring process. He's now coming in basically three months early into the job. Does that suggest that things are now starting to move at a quicker pace and that's where the impatience is growing for Celtic just to announce who the next manager will be? I mean, I think most people would say it's Eddie Howe that's coming in. A couple of people in the comments saying, how do you know, how do you know? Well, we've kind of got to a stage now where it looks as if he is the number one target and going by everything that you read in the papers, it's a case of when and not if. Yeah, absolutely. So... um... I think as you, you touched upon Mackay coming in that's great it's that transitional period that you want you don't just want well we'll leave him one day Mackay coming in the next day that just uh, it's not as smooth as it could be and you're wanting obviously we can say what we want about Lawwell but a lot a lot he has done is is good so you want and Mackay to pick up on those little traits maybe be a little bit more visible to things that didn't go so well and just like learn the tricks of the trade so it's good just to get himself used to the environment as well if you've still got that period of transition so to speak if Lowell's still in charge it's just it's the little things it's getting to know people getting to know the building and just getting to know the whole sort of spectacle so it, it can only be a good thing that he's coming in now just in a matter of weeks um, and like you say you just got to hope that it is that sort of domino effect that if he's coming in that maybe how and I think the comments are coming in as well I do think if how does get announced no matter what it will be for the summer but I'd still like him to be announced before the summer um, just as well just <laughs> Again, it's that transitional period just to be, just have it in the bag, really. That's something we spoke about on this show before, is the idea that if how was to be announced sort of this week, next week, whenever it may be, that there would be the kind of case of, well, you would give the reins to Kennedy and Strachan until the end of the season. You would let them continue to run with it whilst in the background you're hoping Howe's out there identifying signing targets identifying his own team to bring in um, and continuing to let that happen now that was always thought the case of with Dominic Mackay as well it was like Celtic had already announced he was going to be taking over on July 1st um, and now he's coming in three months early is that an indication then that everything is starting to move a bit quicker and then the, the thought that we had obviously is that Howe won't come in straight away but maybe that is the case now. It's like, well, we thought he was going to come in in the summer, but now we've got to move everything forward. Um, he's going to be coming in and he's going to be managing. Maybe his first game will be the next round in the Scottish Cup. I can't see him being in for Saturday. But then the work in the background is, uh, I want my own team and I need them done. And that's what's delaying the announcement at the minute. It is. It's a funny one. And as we're sort of drawn back to, I don't know, from the beginning of time, really, the biggest thing this season for Celtic is season tickets. So obviously maybe Dom, Dom Mackay coming in that little bit earlier. Is that going to be that he's going to announce how as well? And then it's all going to come around for season tickets and it looks good. Everyone's a happy family and let's get the money in. So I could, I can see that. Well, I'm hoping because like I say, obviously we are wanting things to be moving that little bit quicker and it's speculation of course as the papers are saying if he's doing in 24 hours or if he's not coming till the summer or if he's got his eyes on this player that player and it is we can just can ponder over that but until like you say until that tweet is sent until it is um, officially announced by Celtic that's when the nerves really will stop yeah um, I mean that is it's just everyone's as you said they're just waking up they get that announcement and it's somebody's birthday you just want that one time that it's Eddie Howe getting announced and 
I think that is an important point. You look at it, and quite a few people are saying it in the comments already. The season ticket renewals are coming soon. We know they're coming soon because they already had them out this time last year. Uh, I guess you could say last year it was a case of um, they knew what was coming with the the COVID uh, outbreak. They knew that fans were probably not going to get into the ground, so it was a case of getting the money in as soon as possible. But then this season, it's I, I don't know if it's kind of back to the normal schedule. I can't actually remember the season before when the renewals came out. Maybe someone in the comments will be able to let us know. But it does seem as if we kind of wait to announce this big important news to kind of give the the bit of a a PR boost for the renewal. So it's like, get behind Tow and the boys, renew for season 21-22. Do you think that'll be the case then? We'll just maybe announce it at the same time? Yeah, as you say, something needs to to give this season. It's been a disappointing one. Um, So they do need to get the fans back on size. I don't know why. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Well, and um, Dermot Desmond have kind of suggested, yeah, they're aware that things haven't went to plan this season and that fans are unhappy. So you, they, they are aware that they need to get them back on site. And as you say, it's going to be a PR stunt at the end of the day. It's still a business. Um, and that's, that's how they'll see it. They are aware, I think, obviously with how I think it was last week it looked like I think Sky Sports or whoever broke the story that said that it was going to be announced it gives them that sort of little bit of time to to take that step back and look and see like what's the reception amongst the Celtic fans are they happy are they not I keep going back to Anthony Hargreaves is that an appointment or a disappointment and Mm -hmm. they'll be aware now probably a week on yeah the Celtic support are happy um, it probably is the most realistic one that we could get so it's a bit of a, uh, a buzz for them they know that they're probably 
going along the right lines. So it is, it is a waiting game now to, to get it done. But for them, definitely, I think that this period has been a very important one for them to see what the reaction has been like amongst the Celtic support. And when we talk about the backroom team, um, the name that always seems to be cropping up, and I think it's um, a name that's quite familiar now to Celtic fans, is that of Fergal Harkin. Now, a lot of people, and even Stephen McGowan at the Daily Mail, who has had phenomenal sources at Celtic for years now, he's always one of the first to break these kind of big stories for Celtic, um, was that Celtic already had a deal in principle with Fergal Harkin to come in as the director of football. The sting in the tail here seems to be that Howe is looking to bring in his kind of former colleague and former Scotland international Richard Hughes into that role as well. Suggestions are now out there that maybe the two of them could work together with Hughes being the sort of technical director and Harkin being in as your traditional director of football type looking into the recruitment with the departure of Nicky Hammond as well last week. Um, and I believe the, the person that works alongside Nicky Hammond has also left as well. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but they were part of a, the team that worked together. Um, you wouldn't know that because Celtic haven't advertised. That was a fact that he'd left, but I don't even think they'd advertised that they'd brought him in to work alongside Nicky Hammond. Um, so it could be that we need more than one person to kind of run that um, side. And if Howe's wanting his own people, for me, I think you've got to kind of show him that backing. We, we see what happened when Lennon wanted to bring in his own people. He was looking to bring in Tommy Johnson um, as one of his scouts. I think it was potentially for the head scout or the head of recruitment side of things. If Howe wants his own people and you're really committing to putting this new era in at Celtic, you've got to give him that sort of the keys to Parkhead to say, yeah, go and appoint your own team and not just kind of give him what's left from the old regime. Absolutely. Um, I think, again... I keep talking back, but probably around the November sort of mark or whatever, when things were starting to like really look evident that this was going to be an absolute disaster of a season. We've sort of now you can take that step back in hindsight and go, wow, we've maybe not been functioning that well for that many years, but the success has been covering it. Um, and of course, that's going to come into play because hindsight is a wonderful thing. So, but from this, we have now realised that how many things are not working, if it be that not having a director of football or the Nicky Hammond situation or there's just there's just evident that things aren't going right um, mm-hmm. and that's from, from the top to the bottom so right now this is the perfect opportunity um, to, to really realise we've, we've totally and utterly analysed and criticised the club when we really could have been doing it for years but we've just been blinded by the success so when things aren't going well of course you're going to start nitpicking and pinpointing all these things that we, we could have been doing so to answer the question that's the banner and to, to answer your own absolutely change the reconstruction plans for Eddie Howe we're wanting to bring in somebody new somebody fresh obviously something's not been going right at Celtic which we've managed to identify this season so let this new guy come in and totally let, let him take over because if it, I'm not saying that a point of Fergal Harkin wouldn't be a great idea I'd like, I, I think it could be but there's something's not been going right within the club and their appointments as we've established this season so let's try something new that clean slate talking about the clean slate with the CEO with the management with a with a captain so I think um, it's one of those let's go all in um, and I, I understand that's a little bit scary because nobody really likes change and there's going to be people that go oh, you can't change too many things at one time and just one poor season doesn't mean that everything's mm-hmm. went wrong but no these things have been deep rooted um, this is not just all came around this season it's just came to light this season because the success hasn't been there to, to cover it really 
And we mentioned before, we are live on Facebook, on YouTube and on Twitter. So do leave us your comments and we'll bring some of them up onto the screen, just like Stephen Ferguson has done here. And it kind of goes against one of the arguments of allowing Howe to do this and to bring in his own complete team from start to finish. Um, And it's remember if Howe has his total full team, including director of football, when he goes to the Premier League, he'll take them all with him. Now, a lot of people have said this about the appointment of Brendan Rodgers back in the day as well. When you look at when Brendan Rodgers left to go to Leicester, took with him Chris Davies, Colo Touré. Um, I believe he actually took his, his fitness coach as well as his head of sports scientist. So he did, he took basically the whole team and that's people that he trusts. So you can you can understand that. Um, now Celtic were pretty heavily compensated for that to the, the point where figures have been brandished about that they got roughly around £9 million for that whole team leaving to go down to Leicester. If that's the case, Celtic would have to be back in the position once again of looking to rebuild this structure. Um, so can you see that side of the argument where, well, perhaps it should be left to Dominic Mackay coming in, it should be left to other members of the, the Celtic hierarchy to make those decisions so that when it comes to the point, because every manager has a shelf life in football, Eddie Howe's not going to be here for the next 15, 20 years. That just doesn't happen in football anymore. You'll see that if he does come in, he'll maybe be here for somewhere between three and five years and then he'll either depart the club um, in the same manner, hopefully not to the same extent that Neil Lennon departed the club, um, where we're looking to build again, um, or he'll move on the same way and again, hopefully not to the same extent that Brendan Rodgers left the club as a success and the other teams are out there and looking to, to get a hold of him as their next coach. With that being in mind, Celtic can't really afford to fall into that position to be underprepared, to not have a full team ready to basically hire a coach that can say, Eddie Howe out, X in. So do you see that side of it where Celtic should really be in control of that and Eddie Howe should just be in control of the football side of things? Absolutely, you can you can appreciate both situations um, and everything you just said there is spot on. If they all go, then the new guy will probably bring all the new people in. And it is, it's one of those, it's far from an ideal situation. And of course, you would still like a fair bit of continuity. So it's tough, obviously. Somebody's got to play devil's advocate and offer both sides. But I think, we, I think the point we're trying to make is that we just can't keep continuing in that sort of mindset but then go, oh, there's something not running right. So maybe we do have to try something now. I understand, I think Stephen Mullen said something about, like, obviously a manager really then, is it okay that they are really technically appointing their boss? Um, there's somebody obviously above him. So, um, and again, and I get that. So it, is, it swings on roundabouts and it's one of those that it, it, it is, as you said, it's a vicious cycle being being a manager and there's a shelf life and there's only going to be so many years that he's going to be here, it's not going to be here. The days of Fergie and Wenger, they're, all, they're long gone. Um, so it is tough. I'd still go, and I totally take in everything you've just said there, and I think you made a really great point, but I just do think that um, the way to go is... is probably letting Eddie Howe come and shape the team that he wants to shape and, and take it from there. Um, but maybe that's been a bit naive and green. Um, sort of being <laughs> naive I, and not really looking forward to the future a little bit. I'm just wanting it right, done now. <laughs> I know. Give him what he wants. <laughs> Spoil him. Just, just, just get him in. Get him in. Pay yeah. that wee bit extra. Chuck him um, <laughs> no, but I think this is the kind of stage that we're at now is 
everyone's already looking forward to next season. I know we've got the Scottish Cup and we'll talk about um, the draw for the next round shortly. Um, but if you speak to, to people like Jim Orr, he just wants this season to be over and done with now. Just finish it, wrap it up and let's start the rebuilding for next season. Um, and I think there's probably a couple of people in the boardroom that are looking to do that as well. And you can see the plans are already kind of getting put in place. There's a position in this um, backroom team that I want to talk about that I think will be very crucial. Um, and that appointment could be one of the things that either helps Celtic with this transition because we're looking at it that there could be quite a lot of player turnover this summer. Um, I think quite a few people are already earmarked for moves out the door. There's been bids coming in for some other players as well, if you believe what is in the papers. The player liaison officer. Now, I'm going to kind of sidetrack on this just for a minute. The player liaison officer here is basically the person that when you move to the club, they're the person that kind of suits you, gets you sorted out, they take you to your hotel, take you to the flat that the, the club's kind of rented out for you, and they make sure your family are okay, they make sure your dog, your cat, your whatever you've got is kind of brought into the country properly. They make sure you're settled in at the, the club. They're your sort of go-between um, after training's finished to when you get back in the next day if you ever need anything. You see stories about ones that have to go and get their shopping um, for them because they don't know what they're doing, helping them drive because they're not sure about driving on the left-hand side of the road. Um, things like that. Now, at Bournemouth, um, one of the player liaison officers was actually a cult hero, not for Bournemouth, but for Carlisle United. And it is the famous Jimmy Glass. Have you heard the story of Jimmy Glass, Amy? I've not. So Jimmy Glass um, went down to Carlisle on loan. I think it was the 98-99 season. Um, and Carlisle were sitting second bottom in the old Division 3. Um, they'd sold their only fit goalkeeper. So they had to bring in a goalkeeper on a short-term loan spell. So he was in for three games and it was between themselves and between Scarborough to who was going down into the conference. Um, and on the last day of the season, it was Scarborough versus Peterborough and Carlisle United versus Plymouth Argyle. So there was only one point between them at the time. Scarborough and Peterborough finished one each and there's a couple of minutes added on in the Carlisle game. It was also one each at that point. Carlisle United were going down. Gets into the last minute and they send Jimmy Glass up for the corner and it's the old dream. The goalkeeper scores from the corner. Complete cult hero. Um, it kept them up, kept them in the league. Scarborough went down and I think within a couple of years they actually went out of existence. So it just shows you how much I've that man actually that. saved no, the club. Yeah. And it's a fantastic one. I think there's a, a documentary on Sky Sports, if anybody hasn't seen it. Um, definitely go and check that out. Jimmy Glass, a complete... He's like the, the Webster Dictionary definition of cult hero. Uh, three games, one goal, one clean sheet. Outstanding. Um, so he was actually the player liaison officer at Bournemouth, um, which was quite interesting. But Celtic have won. Bournemouth, a team that were in the Premier League, have multiple... Is that something Celtic should be looking to invest in, considering some of the difficulties that we've seen with players like um, El Hamid, Beaton, Duffy, uh, players that have come in this season and really struggled to settle? Do you think that maybe having a better support structure behind the scenes would help these players out, especially with the amount of turnover we're looking at having this season? 
It could be. It certainly could be. As you said, obviously, looking at the, the turnover for the season, if you're wanting to bring in, I don't know, whatever number you want to chuck at, how many signers we're going to be bringing in, then it has a lot for just one guy. Um, so absolutely, it's, I'll be honest, it's not something that I've really thought of before. So it could be, obviously, you don't want to just put all of that, if it be El Hamid or Mullingoli or whoever it may be, that you don't want to just put it all on the, the liaison officer's shoulders. That's not just absolutely just not their fault. But that that could be, yeah. Um, again, it's tough maybe during COVID if finances are tight. If you want to be bringing in um, more staff members, but who knows? We're obviously we're in a decent position um, by all accounts. So yeah, that absolutely could be. Like I say, it's not one that I've thought about, but you've, um, yeah, you're twisting my arm there. I mean, you'd look at it, it's probably a great thing for some ex-players that are currently out of the game. Yeah. Um, that know the club. I mean, there's always this phrase that's been thrown about about why Neil Lennon got the job and it was, he knew the city. He knew the city. He knew the city inside out. And, <laughs> I mean, if that was the case, he would have been a great player liaison officer because he'd have been able to tell all these players where to get their shopping, where to get their car washed, where to do this, that and the next thing. Don't know if he was ever set out to be manager material because you knew the area. Um, but yeah, maybe that's something Celtic need to look into and it's just one to kind of throw out there and maybe some people have their own thoughts on that. Um, maybe maybe could have helped guys like Barkas settle into the club and maybe have got the best out of him this season. Absolutely. Bring in Rob Douglas. <laughs> Rob Douglas, is he not still playing? I think he's still playing for our brothers. Arbroath, he was definitely coaching up at Arbroath as well. I don't know if he got um, if he got rid of up there. I'm not too sure. Maybe somebody can come in and tell us. But um, aye, there's one for you. We had a, a night. Um, we ran two nights at the Greenock Celtic Supporters Club back to back weekends, and the first one was Rob Douglas, and the second one was John Hartson. And they were both done to raise funds for Beats and Cancer Charity. Um, so it was done sort of... We couldn't get the two of them to be there at the same time. Uh, Rob Douglas was in Benidorm. I think Benidorm's his kind of go-to place. Um, he was there the week that we wanted Hartson, and Hartson wasn't available the week we wanted the two of them. So we managed to do it back-to-back, and they were great guys. Now, I wasn't able to be there for the Rob Douglas night. Um, because I was in uh, Rome. That was just the, the night after Celtic beat Lazio. Are you in Rome? No, I've never mentioned that before. Really? Have I? Didn't know you went to Rome. Wow, <laughs> didn't know that one. It's a lovely city. You should check it out sometime. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Rab Douglas was in the Celtic, the Greenock Celtic supporters that night, um, and by all accounts, he went down an absolute storm. He had fantastic stories to tell, and after the the kind of the, the night was done. He went downstairs and just started buying people drinks at the bar. He stayed all night. He stayed in Greenock and had his breakfast and disappeared up the road the next morning. He was a fantastic guy and a kind of your, your typical football fan by all accounts. So good guys like Rab Douglas. I think he'd be great on the scene, especially when this all opens back up. More nights with Rab Douglas. I'm sure he'd have plenty of great stories to tell. Absolutely. Can't, um, can't disagree there. So welcome to everyone who is joining us on A Celtic State of Mind. We are almost ha- half an hour in. Just got to bring this up, uh, Paul Cockwell. Did you meet the Pope, Colin? Uh, no, he was actually at the game as well, I've heard though. Um, that's, a, that's a joke. Uh, <laughs> it's been a week since the two of us have got together and in that time Celtic have played Falkirk in the Scottish Cup. Um, did you manage to catch the game at the weekend? I caught the second half. I was working. Um 
I I was working quite late on Saturday night, so I caught the second half. But from everything that I saw, it was um, it was all right. Um, Elianusi took his goal really well. Um, I managed to catch that. But other than that, it was pretty much what you'd expect. Um, there was a few promising performances. It was great to see James Waters back as well. But um, yeah, I caught probably the last 40, 45 minutes of the second half. So uh, it was. Um... It was definitely a second half tie. I mean, listening to the guys and the girls that were on um, a Celtic State of Mind on Saturday, I think it was the first time they'd had five people on the panel, which was a, an interesting listen. Um, but at some point, Tony ha- uh, Tony came on and says, there's every chance that Falkirk could have got something out of that game. And that, that was quite worrying, um, that the first half performance suggested that it wasn't completely out of sight. And there was a point that Russell made as well that it's kind of a shame that Celtic can't play two strikers up front against a League One side. Now, when you look at it, the kind of League One side, Falkirk, okay, they're doing really, really well. But who would be the two strikers you'd trust up front right now? I thought Lee Griffiths was completely misfiring. Uh, a lot of those chances, people will say, well, it's down to his rustiness. He hasn't really had that amount of time on the park. But some of them were complete tap-ins, and he missed them. Um, right. Edward was was rested, I think, because of his exploits for uh, for France. Ayeti comes on; he has one shot that he kind of snatches at, but he doesn't really create a lot for himself after that. And then Klamala, we believe, is already out the door. He's already planning his next move away from the club. So, if you are to play two up front, who would be your two? <laughs> Probably stick Ryan Christie up there. I am. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Just a bite. Um, it's it is, it's tough. I, I totally get what Russell's saying. It'd be great to be able to play two up top against against Walker and that, and that's what you want to be seeing. Changing something up a lot, bit as well. But like you see that that session itself, can Celtic actually field two strikers? Wow. Um, I totally understand. Um, Edward getting rested after the week. Um, really intense week, and again, it's a game that you it's a game that you don't want to have to be playing him in. Um, again, so I, I think I maybe caught ten fifteen minutes of um, of Lee Griffiths. So I, I think my dad was going on about. It. I think there's a, I've still not even seen it myself. Never bothered watching about the highlights. I think there's a chance in the first half that he totally should have bloodied. Um, but other than that, he just you see you seen him trot off um, when he was substituted, and the camera cut to him having to walk a long way around behind the goal, and he did look frustrated. Of course, he did. He mm-hmm. knows that he's missed a golden opportunity here. Um, I've still probably in his camp and going by he is just lacking match fitness and all of this but when you see something like that I'm not expecting the minute he walks on the park that everything's going to go back to, to tip top form but there just there doesn't even look like to be like a want or anything like that as um, you can see he's, he's a good half a second um, behind it's it's a tough one um, and it is it's disappointing to see but like you say t- to try and field two players I wasn't impressed by a Yeti when he came on um, mm. I really wasn't so it is. I am sort of losing my tether a little bit more and more with Griffiths. No matter how long I can try and, and um, keep it keep it going, but there's only so much you can um, you, you can try and defend a guy. But it's little things that I think I always found that frustration with um, Timo Pukki when he was at Celtic. It was just that he never really want, never really looked like he wanted to be playing. Um, mm-hmm. I always remember my uncle always used to go on about that and he just looked like he's clearly got it in his locker as he proved down at Norwich but he just like it was just the movement wasn't there and that's it was that like throwing the toys out the pram and he just didn't really look like he wanted he wanted it there was no fight and that's not just Griffiths there is no fight about 
that whole team right now. But um, I think it was like real Team Mapuki vibes up at Celtic, to be honest. When I take a look at it, I mean, Griffiths' movement at the weekend showed that he hadn't played a lot of football. But the fact that he was getting into the positions and you're going, oh, stick it away, stick it away. And it, it just didn't seem to click for him. And there's probably two very divided camps in the Celtic base. It's the ones that would tell you that Lee Griffiths has had more than enough chances at Celtic and that he should move on. And we hear rumours that he's linked to move up to Aberdeen. Um, and you hear the other side of the story where people think, well, if we can get him fit, if he can get him playing consistently, he'll score X amount of goals a season. And when you look at it, if Edward was to move on, he's maybe the only striker that you've got. But how many times can you trust Lee Griffiths? I mean, that was his chance to kind of stake a claim in the team. When you look at two up front this season, the, the two that have really... Um, impressed me with their interplay with their kind of playing off of each other has been Odson Edward and someone who isn't even a striker in Mohamed Elianoussi I think that they've managed to kind of play together very well, Elianoussi is either playing as a sort of shadow striker or he's playing as a number 10 off him but he's someone that's got 15 goals this season and Lee Griffiths for all his time that he's been on the park has only managed to scupper up a couple of goals I don't even think if Griffiths had the game time that Elanousi's had, which isn't a lot either, because he's not someone that starts a lot of games. I just don't think you can get that same return off him and you can't get that same partnership. So maybe it is for the rest of the season that you see Edward and Elanousi up front as the two. Could be. It really could be. Like you say, it's um, maybe offering another role in the midfield. Uh, it's just frustrating. And as you were um, saying those two sides of the Celtic support, I am... Um, evidently still in that Griffiths camp and it's just it is, it is frustrating like me it's frustrating to be in that camp because you're trying to, to stick by them and I think uh, of course I am still holding on to that 40 goal season because that was one of the best seasons ever um, for me and, and everything was just ticking away absolutely fantastic I think my fear is and probably the reason I want them to keep them at Celtic is that I can just totally and utterly see them going to if it be Aberdeen if it be Hibs and coming back and haunting us because um, I just think that's the sort of nuisance player that he is and I can see himself probably getting a little bit fitter maybe, maybe not but I could, I just have this vision that he's just going to come back and haunt us and that's maybe wrong with me that I'm just wanting to keep him so he's not playing against us sort of thing you could say exactly the same about Brown of course but it's just that it, there is always an if with Griffiths and you're like oh or it's always tied back to that 40 goal season but then I think the biggest frustration this season is you saw what he could do last season before um, before everything was, um, was stopped due to Corona obviously but that those however many months three four months period from December January to, to March ish he was he was terrific up top with Edward and mm. he was so crucial to, to that turnover um, and to really that success of that three five two that shift and, and he was right at the crux of that so you know that there is still that player there and there has to be because when he is fit he is the best goal scorer in Scotland the out and out goal scorer will he ever get back to that though I, I just I don't know it's, it's becoming increasingly hard to see it isn't it I mean just you take a look at this right so um, I'm just going to go through some of the comments that's come in, in the last couple of minutes just with both sides of this argument, Jim Hannaway, even if he doesn't score, Griff makes so much space for others in his box and his touches are mostly superb. Um, Fraser Ogilvy, come on, man, talking about a rebuild, progression back to the top, get ahead in Europe and you want to keep Griff. It just shows how split the fan base is 
on Lee Griffiths. Um, Gary Miller on Facebook coming in here. I think Griff still has something to give or to prove. Um, and I'm just trying to find this last one. Uh, I can't find it somewhere. There we go. Barca Boy coming in on Periscope on Twitter saying 18 grand a week for a player who's not fit with six games left in the league. It's, it is quite concerning. Um, and it, it will completely split the fan base when Lee Griffiths does eventually leave the club, whether that be in the summer or when his contract runs out next year, because I don't see him probably signing an extension. He'll not get the game time he'll probably be looking to do if he extends his career. Um, I think it's a kind of similar situation to when Chris Commons left the club as well. There was always this clamour for that as long as Chris Commons was out of the team, people wanted him back in, they wanted to see what he could do. But if he's not proving it to the, the manager and the coaches in training, um, which maybe Lee Griffiths isn't doing, we, we can't say that for certain, he would just not get the game time. So if he's not fit, as Barca Boy said, with six games left in the season, for me, I think looking at the summer, it's maybe time to cut your losses. Yeah, it is. And it's, I think it's a deep-rooted issue, this whole if he's fit, if he's not fit. And nobody, I don't think you can really know if he is. Um because one match isn't going to prove if he's match fit or not. Um, as it's maybe Griff's just sort of epitomises his whole team this lack of fitness. You look at everybody keeps kicking on about Turnbull, and I understand that could still be due to that injury that he, he picked up when he was at Motherwell that postponed the deal in the first place. But Turnbull's still not making the ninety. Rog- Rogic is Rogic. Rogic never making the ninety. But there is um, there does look a tiredness about the side. Um, and, and maybe Griff's just the, the whipping boy and that he's he, he just sort of, oh, it's, it's him. But even, there just doesn't look like there's that want, that fight. And that's what we keep going back to. And again, he's just, that's just the whole the team right now. So it is, it's an if button maybe. And I think in an ideal world, probably love love him to be banging in 20 odd goals a season still. But it just doesn't like to be the case, does it? There was someone, there was a term you mentioned there is the, the whipping boy. And someone that's been the eternal whipping boy of the Celtic support over the last number of years is James Forrest. Now, James Forrest, obviously coming back into the side, got his goal at the weekend. I thought he looked sharp for the amount of time that he'd been out. I mean, some of his crosses didn't kind of find their man or stuff like that. But considering he's been out the game now for, what is it, six, seven months he's been out now, um, to get back up to that level, considering he's not played a lot of football, um, just shows you what can be done if you put the effort in behind the scenes. Uh, took his goal really well, and Amy, it's great to have him back in the side. Absolutely. Um, I said it last week, it's not been mentioned enough that how crucial he is to the Celtic side this season as well. Like, it's so evident. I think at the beginning we kept going on, oh, it's because we've not got Foster or losing this, losing that. So many people never even mentioned James Forrest in that sentence. Um, and that is because he has just been. Uh, and as you say, it's because he's been the weapon boy and nobody would think that he could actually have that much of an impact. Just shows you, though, how even when he's on an off day, it's better than most people's on days. It's um, it's crazy. So it's great to have him back. It really is. Um, it's, it's it's almost that one chunk of light that's probably came in these last few weeks that it looks like that he's back. And if we can just use these however many games are left to, to get him up a little bit fitter, get him ready, um, I don't think no matter what I don't see him going to the Euros which I think is extremely um, 
disappointing for him, especially because he played such a great part. I think he scored like those five goals in three games or something like that, didn't he, for Scotland? It was crazy. He went Against on a wee Israel, aye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A so double, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's gotten, obviously, because I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't really see him, no matter what happens. You know, Ollie McBurney will probably get in ahead of him anyway. So it's a tough one. <laughs> Do you know, even, um, sorry to interrupt you, Ollie McBurney's... Ollie McBurney's been linked to a fifteen million pound move to Wolves. Wolves. Who, what? Who's seen, who's seen McBurney that's someone spent twenty million pound on and went? Do you know what? I'll spend fifteen on him. That just summarises um, English football. It's just complete. Uh, I don't even want to say the words. It's, it's only it's only lunchtime. Absolutely, it's it's crazy. He's not a Wolves. Well, he's not really any player, but he's certainly not a Wolves player. You wouldn't think Wolves are quite a classy side. I quite like watching them play. You just see all these Portuguese guys, and then all of McBurney walks in. <sighs> My God, I don't see it. No, I don't think the the Wolves official agent will be happy with that either. Um, <laughs> it's probably just paper talk. But James Forrest, obviously coming back into the side. You mentioned he might not be going to the Euros. You see, maybe someone like Ryan Fraser playing in that position. Um, I'm not actually sure who else would maybe play wide right for Scotland. Um, it wouldn't be Ollie Burke, put it that way, because um, James Forrest would be in well ahead of him. James Forrest, for me, I mean, this is his 10th season at the club now. He's someone that's been at the club since 2003 when he joined the youth system. He's made his way through. Um, probably after this season, he'll be the longest seven player once Scott Brown leaves the club. Between yeah. him and Callum McGregor, I would say. Um, someone will confirm out of the two um, who that will be. Here's one I need to throw out there and see what the response is from the commenters as well. We've always said that Callum McGregor would be the natural replacement for Scott Brown in the, as a captain. Why not James Forrest? There's one for you, isn't it? I don't see... Um, in fact, no, let's go with you first. Why do you see that? Well, I think when you look at Forrest, it's someone that's been at the club for such a long time. He knows the ins and outs of the club. I don't think he's got the command on the park as such yet, but I think he, he has the potential to grow into it. Um, when you look at it, it looks as if Callum McGregor is a, a target for... Um, Leicester in the summer uh, could potentially move on you've got to sort of reward that loyalty if he's not the captain I'd like to see him come in as a, a assistant captain at the very least I mean who else is there Who say, say it's not McGregor say it's not Forrest who do you give that armband to that's a good question I don't have a clue but I just I think <laughs> um, quickly move on John line literally just said that as well um, well that, that's obviously that's the, that's the dream but um <laughs> Before I um, asked you for yours, like I say, Jungle Lion just just said it as well. I don't personally. I don't like forwards as captains. Um, it's just something I know. I'm trying to think of a forward right now. Obviously, Zlatan Ibrahimovic has been a, a captain um, many a time. Ronaldo's obviously as well at Nationals. Obviously, you look at Nationals, which I think um, Billy Sharp down at Sheffield United. I think is their club captain, mm-hmm. isn't he? Um, I'm not the biggest fan. I like the captains to be at the back and the mid. Um, because you've got to be commanding also I just don't feel just because you've maybe been there the longest or you're a Celtic fan or you know you're one of the most talented players I don't think that makes you to be the, the, the captain I just I don't think on the pitch Forrest isn't the most vocal player um, you look at Cal Mack and I know people are saying that it's 
he's maybe not quite impressed the way that people thought he would with with the armband. But I do, you do still see him being a little bit vocal. You don't really see that from Forrest. You see that from Ayer, even when mm-hmm. he's not even. Um, when he's not captain at all. Again, it is, it's really tough right now, like you say, trying to look through that side. I think because you're so right now, you're like, wow, what even is Celtic starting 11, really? So it's hard to pinpoint what, the, who, where the captain, who, what, when, or why, the, the, the captain's armband would, would fall to. It's tough. I'm really struggling right now to think of who else it could be, but I don't think that that, um, that Forrest is the answer. I'm really struggling to think of who it could be, though. <laughs> I mean, when you take a look at it, I mean, at the end of the day, the captain can be just as simple as the armband. It's just the person that walks on the park with the kind of C on their arm or whatever it is nowadays. Um, and you're looking for a lot of the players on the team to be natural leaders. Now, obviously, Paul brought up his point, he would keep Ayer. Now, there's there's a good chance that Ayer could move on in the summer um, and he could be used for the money that comes in to start the rebuilding process that we discussed earlier on. Callum McGregor could be the same. There's been talks that Brendan Rodgers is looking to take him down to Leicester. I think James Forrest is someone that will stay at the club. I can't see a lot of interest for Forrest in the summer. Um, Again, someone that's got the experience and has been there. I think the captaincy can make or break a player. And I just think that James Forrest would step up to the plate given it. I know a lot of people say, well, he doesn't do a lot of shouting and moaning. I, I don't really see a lot of that from Callum McGregor either. You don't. See, I guess maybe you've been spoiled with the way that Scott Brown used to do it. I mean, Scott Brown kind of commanded that park when he was the captain. It was like it, he got away with about 500 fouls a game because he was the captain. Do you know what I mean? That was the kind of thing. He'd, he'd throw the wee kind of tackle left, right and centre here. He'd stop the game and you're thinking, right, he's going to pick up a yellow card here, but he doesn't because he's the captain and he's Scott Brown. And I think that annoyed probably every other team in Scottish football the way that Brown used to get away with things like that a lot of people saying well Forrest doesn't track back, he's not vocal enough I just think if you come in and you give it to someone who is maybe new into the side I've seen a couple of people mentioning David Turnbull um, I, I just think that takes away from kind of rewarding the guy that's been there the longest and the guy that's kind of stuck through, stuck with the club as much as people say well he was going to leave before Brendan Rodgers came in I don't know. I, I think he's got to be in with a shout, surely. It's tough. Um, I think it is. You're, you're seeing Turnbull there. A lot of people are obviously saying if, if whoever Howe brings in, somebody could get made and being the captain straight away. I'll be honest, I'm not a big fan of that either. Um, I think what the real talking point here is, is that you obviously you said to me who, if it wasn't Forrest, if it wasn't McGregor, who would it be? That's quite worrying. I can't name another leader on the park. Um, obviously, I am. I can name I am. But if we're if we're saying that um, in theory Ayer's not here this season, obviously Julian's out injured. He looks a little bit. He's he's one of your louder centre halves, um, so to speak. But other than that, not seeing a lot of of leaders. It, it, it's crazy how much it shows that losing Stuart Armstrong, Mika Lustig, um, that these guys, th- th- not only their talent but their their stature and their presence really really goes amiss as well. Um, so as that, I think that's the issue that we actually don't have that many leaders on the pitch. I remember being a little bit younger, only you know seven, eight years ago, and you'd be going, "Wow, who's going to get the vice cap? Who's going to get the armband?" Because well, you could give it to him, 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 or him. Um, and there wasn't even just like the one vice cap, and you knew if 
if it wasn't going to be going to McGregor, it'd be going to X, Y, or Z. Um, if it wasn't going to Lustig, it would go to there you go, even Sviatchenko, um, who'd only been at the club for for a season or so, and he was obviously touted to to be a future captain. So I think that's the biggest issue right now is that we're actually lacking such a a, a squad of leaders. Uh, I, I agree with you definitely. I was going to bring a point up. The boy says a. Uh, um, he has one good game against Falkirk and the next thing he's a superstar no that's not the point the, the point is we're generally looking at who could potentially be the next captain and um, I, I agree with Paddy John Hughes here he just says it, it sounds like sentimentality and it's something I've been desperate for the club to get rid of so maybe I'm falling under that trap by giving Forrest the armband for that reason but as you said there's just you look at the squad and there's no natural leader that stands out there and you're looking at potentially it's a new signing that comes in and if you look at some of the, I mean, obviously we've not got the manager in yet, but a lot of papers are speculating that he's already looking at bringing in his own reinforcements. And the first one that comes in, uh, or the first one that was named is Steve Cook, the former Bournemouth centre-half, 29 years old, hasn't really played a lot of Premiership football, but definitely has um, worked for Eddie Howe before. He was someone that I believe was the club captain at Bournemouth under yeah. Howe. Um, do you think that's something that could happen maybe he comes in and straight away he's given the armband I really like him um, when Bournemouth were first promoted I really liked that whole that whole team really there was a lot of leaders um, there was Dan Gosling and there was there was Steve Cook um, Ryan Fraser Matt Ritchie I really liked that that group of players um, that I've had and I'm not just saying that um, I, I really liked them back in the time um, so yeah I'd be more than happy um, with Cook coming in like you say 29 that, that's still a decent age I think we're talking I think James Morris is about 29 now isn't he if not nearly 30 mm-hmm. yep. so um, yeah I, I would be quite chuffed with, with Cook coming in I think again I think whoever reported this morning or, or yesterday that Joshua King's been touted it's a bit hard when Howe's not been appointed um, and again the biggest thing is like King's at, at Everton right now and obviously it's not going all too well for him there um, it's not really his fault that Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison and Hamish Rodriguez are, um, are, are really performing under Ancelotti but he'll be on a, I think he's on about 45 grand a week I'm not going to get and that rest, I think. And, and the rest, rest. So, um, and it'll be the same with Cook. That obviously, it was a smaller budget at Bournemouth, but he'll still be on a, a, a pretty wage being in, in the Premier League. So it's going to be one of the, the big talking points if they, they will be expected to take a massive pay cut, especially King. But um, if, if how can work his magic, then absolutely. But as you say, it's crazy that people can and publications can be reporting on Eddie Howe's looking to bring... King to Celtic when Eddie Howe is not even at Celtic so it's um, it's, it's crazy to be honest with you I find it oh, it's just all hearsay <laughs> the, the thing with King as well was um, it was quite a strange move his move to Everton I think it was for a yeah. couple of million pounds in January but it was only a six month deal that he signed he only signed until the end of this season, so technically he is available on a pre-contract. I believe that Everton have the option to extend that another 12 months. doesn't look as if he's kind of done anything whilst he's been at the club to suggest that they'll extend that. Um, you look at Dominic Calvert-Lewin that's banging in the goals for Everton at the minute. He's, he's obviously not going to get anywhere near the side. I think he's got one goal and seven or eight appearances. Um, no starts either. I don't think he's started no. Everton yet. No, 
Um, and his uh, strange love of the, the Doctor, which is a fantastic um, username, comes in and says it's clickbait season. Now, I had someone saying that me saying James Forrest should be the next captain is clickbait. That's not. That's me giving my opinion. Um, but a lot of these um, papers will be trying to kind of get their, their stories out there and get them sold. But it gets everybody excited, doesn't it? I mean, we're already excited for who could potentially come in there. Do I think Celtic will sign Joshua King? Probably not. But if that's the kind of player that Celtic's starting to target by introducing someone like Eddie Howe to the club, that can't necessarily be a bad thing. No, absolutely not. It'd be, you know, if you said a few years ago that Celtic could attract Scott Sinclair, then, my God, Scott Sinclair was getting tied for everybody. So there is that whole... Obviously, that was Rogers' guy, and and he liked to play under Rogers. King could easily be one of those um, who really uh, actually. If you, if you ever listen to Joshua um, King, he he um, credits Eddie Howe for for pretty much his whole career. So again, it, that it could easily it could be as easy as that. Um, I think when Sinclair first came in, people thought, oh, has to sell by date. It's never worked out. He's never really lived up to the expectations. And that turned out all right. Some players just need that little arm around the shoulder. Um, and you never know what a, a personal relationship is like. So, is that a non-starter? It's not a non-starter, but do I see it really happening? You can let's have a little bit of optimism. You say no, I'll say yes. Come on. For me, when you look at his career outside of Bournemouth, um, it really reads like all of McBurney's Wikipedia entry. It's so many games and very little goals. Uh, oh, but then on, you see what. Bad. No, he's not that bad. But when you look at, if you take Bournemouth out of the equation, right, he doesn't. Okay. He hasn't scored a lot of goals. That's what I'm saying. But under Eddie Howe, Eddie's obviously managed to get the best out of him, and you get that with certain players. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Scott Sinclair when he kind of worked under Brendan Rodgers. He always managed to get the best out of him. His time at Swansea and at Celtic is certainly some of his best parts of his career. And I think, by all accounts, he's doing really well at Preston at the minute as well, um, which is is great for him. And certain managers and certain players just work really well together. So if it's someone that Eddie Howe can trust, then I can understand that. But I just, I don't see him taking that pay cut. I know there's obviously going to be some some budget for the wages with some of the players that's moving on this season. But if you spend that kind of money on him, are you then compromising getting in players in other positions? Yeah, as as um, as we see, that's going to come down to the money and those wage cuts. If we're seeing forty five plus. Certainly not going to be on at that when he comes up uh, if he if he comes up here. So, like I say, I think the, the thing here, and uh, he's definitely been linked with Celtic before. Obviously, who hasn't? But um, <laughs> that is one of those. Of course, it's that personal relationship, and I do keep drawn back to to Sinclair and Rogers. So it's a nice one to to think about. As I say, it's clickbait season, but it's got us talking. So technically, it's worked. Um, They'll be buzzing. His name's being spoke about, so it's um, it's worked for them. So, <laughs> so we'll take a look ahead to um, the week the weekend. It's Wednesday. It's Hump Day, and we've got the tie against Livingston at the weekend. First game in the post split, home to Livingston. If you look back at the games that we have played against them so far this season, three two at Celtic Park, 0-0 at Celtic Park, and two two away. What have, what's your expectations ahead of this game? I just hate Livy. Um, <laughs> becoming, <laughs> We're just going to take that clip out. I hate Livy, and that's it. <laughs> it's been one of those like bogey teams in recent years, wasn't it? Um, 
yeah, they're frustrating. Um, they really, really can frustrate us. It's they've not kicked on. I think they went on that terrific run, and then just before the cup final, it started to crumble a little bit, and it's just one of those little blips for them right now. But you know, Martindale's doing a great job, of course they are. So it's it's not going to be probably the most attractive game of football. Can can vouch for that, but it's um, we'll see. Like I say. It just means that, thank God, with the split, it's the last time I'll play them this season, so I'm more than happy with that. And we are running out of time because the, the channel is picking up so many different shows that uh, we have the, the Hibs press conference coming up very shortly as well. So, And I'm, I'm actually back live as well this afternoon. The Football Insomniac yes, moved to Wednesday afternoon. Uh, I'm joined by Rory Hamilton at half two and we'll be discussing some of the major talking points in world football over the last week. Any questions, do get them in. But just briefly, before we finish up, Amy, prediction for the weekend against Livingston? Um, 2-1 Celtic. 2-1. I'm, I'm going to be more positive. I'm going to go for 3-0 three, uh, three three to Celtic and a, a Stephen Welsh hat-trick for headers. That's it. We'll, we'll go down that line. <laughs> right, Colin, get off. <laughs> no, but it's been brilliant to bring you the Celtic State of Mind Bulletin this Wednesday afternoon. Hope we've all had a good time. Um, Paul will be back tomorrow with John Paul and Declan. Got it right. Two weeks in a row. Oh, two I'm weeks on in a row. This is brilliant. Um, <laughs> you're back on Sunday night for the Soccer Supernova 8 o'clock and I'm back at 2.30 this afternoon. But until then, um, to everyone, stay safe, take care and as always, a massive hail hail. What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.